everyone. I'm your host, Christina Laney Mitri, and welcome to Smart Living Hawaii's podcast, where we discuss smart homes and technology, sustainability, healthy lifestyles, and smart business. Today, we'll continue our Sustainable Leaders series and have a talk story with David Sands, who has been building homes with bamboo for over 25 years. And through his innovative spirit, it has led him down paths unchartered. Therefore, always needing to be the first in what he has accomplished and provide a product and service we also desperately need to adopt, not only here in Hawaii, but across the world. David has solutions to problems we face with climate change, affordable housing, deforestation, carbon sequestration, and more. And one word to put that all together is bamboo. So, aloha, David. Aloha, Christina. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for joining me. We are doing a Zoom and uh, we will definitely be stripping the audio for the podcast and maybe you might even use the video on our YouTube. But anyhow, before we begin, a little bit about David. He is an architect. He's a lead accredited professional who co-founded Bamboo Living and created the first certified and permitted bamboo homes in the world. He also founded another really cool company called uh, Rhizome that grows bamboo, makes bamboo lumber while sequestering carbon at rates 10 times faster than trees do. Very excited to share these innovative concepts with you all and let's just dive right in. So, Wonderful. Uh, let's start with your background, David. Uh, maybe growing up and what you'd like to share with our listeners because I do know you live on the Big Island, but maybe right. back it up a little and, and show sure, it. Sure, you bet. Yeah. Well, I, I grew up in Florida and actually was uh, playing in with bamboo since I was little, like six or something like that. And uh, the uh, neighbors had a bamboo grove uh, on a lake. We ended up making a raft out of it and, uh, and then in Boy Scouts making bridges and towers and uh, you know, suspension uh, bridges and things like that. So it was really uh, played a part in my early life. And then uh, I had no idea it was going to play such a big part later in my life, but it was a good start. Awesome. So where did you grow up? Yeah, it was in Winter Haven, uh, Central Florida. Uh, it was a small town when I grew up and now it's a suburb of Disney World. It's okay. everything that's grown up around it. And um, I always like to ask this, but what do you do for fun a month? You know, I know you've got a lot of things on your plate, but sure. is there anything that David does for fun besides uh, um, bamboo? <laughs> well, sure. I love swimming. So I, I don't hardly pass a day without getting in the ocean and, uh, and then, and, and actually doing some real swimming for exercise as well. And then uh, I really had a lifetime of yoga practice. So I, I do yoga every day as well. And, and I love it. I, you know, it really feeds me in very significant ways. Awesome. And um, what, how, what brought you to the Big Island, I guess? When did you move there? Sure. As I moved here about a decade ago, but I've been in Hawaii since 1988. Um, I have a, a brother who lives on Maui, uh, uh, wonderful person. He's a doc with Kaiser. He was responsible for protecting the last big wild beach on Maui, McKenna. Uh, oh, wow. 
Yeah, I worked on that for years. And uh, so I came out to visit and uh, that's <laughs> that's what happened. Awesome. So you're you're kind of commuting back and forth from you was it the Big Island and Asia pretty much? Right. Most of my time's here on the Big Island, but um, we're working in Asia. So I was um, there in Vietnam for the Bamboo Living Company. We've been there uh, 26 years. And then uh, in uh, the Philippines for the last few years, uh, working with the uh, uh, Rhizom Company. So let's get into bamboo. So sure. Um, it's a really remarkable, I mean, I think a lot of us see it now. There's so many things being made with it. I mean, I have a comforter that is made from bamboo, right? And then I, ha I actually have, it's actually really soft and I don't know how they make these things out of bamboo, but there's so many products that are made out of bamboo. Things that seem like plastic is made out of bamboo these days. Um, but building a house seems like something that would make sense, but how does it work? So um, maybe you can start with sure, bamboo living and give us sure. a rundown on bamboo and building a house with it. You bet. That sounds great. So there's uh, about 1,500 species of bamboo, and there's maybe a, a couple dozen that are good for construction. Um, they are, uh, the for the Bamboo Living Company, we use a, a bamboo called uh, Bamboo Sustinostachia. It's very thick-walled. Uh, it's about the size of a four-by-four and phenomenally strong. Uh, it, when we had it tested for the building code, uh, a one square inch on average would hold up 14,000 pounds, seven tons before failure. So it's, it's a phenomenally strong material. And uh, in fact, we've had our bamboo living houses go through multiple category fives now. Uh, Just because uh, they're already been built and they're in they yeah, hurricanes. Ex exactly. Yeah, we've, we've got a project right on the ocean in Rorotonga that's been through three category five hurricanes. And then another project in St. Croix with about four buildings that's been through uh, a category five with 200 mile an hour winds. So, you know, it's, it's they, the buildings have done phenomenally well. And then around those areas, I'm assuming there are regular homes built and how- That's right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, sadly in uh, the biggest of the storms in Rotunga, uh, this project's right on the beach. And so much of the uh, conventional construction up and down the beach was completely destroyed. And the, the banker for this project sent us photos after the storm because he was so impressed that, you know, that they had weathered the storm. And even to the point where the storm surge was so big that it threw a large coral boulder through a sliding glass door and uh, the building was still fine. So, oh, and, I mean, it was with a wave hitting it. And, you know, that's awesome. So yeah. with, I guess if you can give us I, I know on your website, it was some very helpful information on, I guess, bamboo versus uh, lumber from regular wood. Sure. Uh, maybe you can um, talk about some of the pros that bamboo has that makes it, I would say, superior. Sure, sure. Well, well, just on the structural side, um, the, uh, the, 
uh, the wood used out here in Hawaii, uh, Douglas fir from the Northwest, um, it's uh, the, what they call the MOE, which is the resistance to deflection is uh, between 1.4 and 1.7. With the bamboo, it's up at 3.3. So it's really more than twice as uh, rigid in terms of resistance to deflection. And at the same time, it can still, um, you know, it, it's not brittle like concrete. Uh, what's interesting with a concrete building, sadly, as we saw in, in Florida, is failure is catastrophic because the concrete shatters. Um, I was in India uh, at the India Institute of Technologies, and they were doing uh, after initial failure. So here for the building code, we test to initial failure, and then we develop working stresses with large margins of safety. What they were interested in was, well, what happens after that initial failure? And what was fascinating is the bamboo would have these kind of terracing where it could, it would uh, have some level of breakage or cracking, and then you could still keep applying load to it. And so it just had this step down uh, performance that would uh, make, you know, what happened in Miami impossible. So the building would have stayed up even though there might've been partial failures. Wow. And uh, boy, it chokes me up talking about it. Um, so it's a, you know, and uh, it's, it's a phenomenally on a strength to weight ratio, it's actually two and a half times as strong as steel. So steel's about twice as strong as the bamboo on a cross-sectional area, but uh, the steel's about five times as heavy. So for that same cross-sectional area. So if you're looking at uh, the weight of a structure, which is an important piece. Again, concrete, most of the work that a concrete, concrete is doing in a multi-story concrete building is holding up the concrete mm -hmm. because the concrete's so heavy. So the, the uh, ability to, to hold up the live loads of people and against wind loads and hurricane, hurricanes and earthquakes and that sort of thing, um, that uh, the massive weight of the concrete is actually uh, problematic in certain ways. In that, uh, again, when uh, basically when you have a seismic event, the ground moves out from under the building. So the foundation shifts to the side and the building's got to catch up with its foundation. So it's got to pull itself over the foundation. And um, that the, the force needed to do that is dependent on the weight of the actual building itself. So being able to build with lighter weight materials like wood and, and uh, bamboo make a huge difference in terms of, uh, you know, the ability to resist uh, seismic events as well. And it's, it's more bending, right? Like, I mean, just really yeah. Exactly. Think about it. You're like always hearing the trees go back and forth, but not. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's designed to handle big, you know, trees and bamboo are designed to handle big wind loads. That's what they're doing all the time. Is there, you know, that big leaf mass up there. Those are basically solar collectors. And so it's sticking up all these massive amount of solar collectors and then trying to, you know, uh, resist the, uh, wind knocking them, knocking the whole tree down or the bamboo. Yeah. And that's where it gets its, its strength. 
And um, I didn't know this uh, about termites, so that's a big Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, so really when we tested, we had to do for the, uh, we did the national building code standard approval through ICC, the people that write the building code for 90% of jurisdictions in the US, including Hawaii. And um, when we were, we also needed to understand its resistance to insects. So we worked with the entomology labs at UH in Manoa and Actually, the, the treated bamboo, uh, we treat it with borates, which is the um, like boric acid, like the eyewash and that sort of thing. It's, um, it's, it's uh, the, uh, what's typically used for lumber nowadays because it's the least, uh, most environmental of the, and, you know, the different uh, treatments. Yeah, least toxicity. Uh, in fact, what's interesting is I was working on a project uh, down in uh, Costa Rica. And we went to see uh, a bamboo plantation where they were treating the bamboo right there. And then the, they were using what they call solubor, which is an agricultural amendment because boron is a, um, a trace mineral. So once they treated the bamboo and it was the uh, boron mixture was too diluted, they would just dilute it further and use it as an amendment uh, to help with the growth of the bamboo, oh, wow. which was pretty neat. Yeah. Um, so, but, but getting back to the the entomology tests is the uh, performance with the the termites was 100% mortality. So they just could not eat the bamboo and survive, and uh, so that was really nice to see. Well, I guess in a sense, which. I guess we didn't know this either, or a lot of people probably don't know this, but bamboo is really a grass, like you were saying. That's correct, yeah. A tree, and I mean, maybe termites need that wood. Right? <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm not sure if it's their first choice, uh, but certainly after it's been treated, they can't even eat it at all, you know, without, uh, you know, it uh, doing cool. them in. Um, let's see, maybe we can explain the process of carbon sequestration because I didn't know this either. There's so much that I learned from you when we first chatted that sure. I think it, it's just something that anybody listens in, they're going to learn so much on this one. Um, but because it's grass and because it's not a tree and how, you know, you cut it like you're cutting your lawn, right? Maybe you can explain that. Exactly. Sure, sure. Yeah, so, so uh, basically, you know, uh, giant bamboo, if, if you go to, if you Google it, the, the fastest growing plant in the world is a giant bamboo and it grows two to three feet a day. Um, yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. You know, they, they call them bamboo shoots for a reason because they'll get to 100 to 120 feet tall in just a couple of months. That's and I, yeah, it's, it's wild to see it happen. And, um, and then the plant itself is a grass. So it's basically sending up new shoots every year, every growing season. So uh, those, the, the, the mature bamboo shoots can be cut and the plant will just keep uh, sending up new shoots. So the, unlike trees, when you harvest them, you're typically killing the tree. Uh, when you harvest the bamboo, you're actually stimulating the growth for uh, new you know, bamboo shoots because you're 
opening up the sun space, uh, the available sunlight for the new bamboo shoots. And so we're able to, uh, depending on the species, uh, harvest between 20 and 33% of the clump, the plant every year. And that's for the 60 to 100 year life of the plant. So it's a pretty phenomenal thing. And so I forgot how many years, is it about three years or that you're- That's right. Out? Yeah, so it's, it's three to five years depending on the species. The, for the bamboo living poles, it's three years. Um, for the, the rhizome poles, it's four to five years. And uh, what it's doing during those, it, so it basically shoots up, it reaches full height in two to three months. And then over the next uh, couple of years, it's, it's uh, putting out those solar collectors. It's, it's, it's branching and growing leaves. And that is uh, adding uh, mass uh, and also uh, you know, wind resistance. So it's got to build structure to hold those uh, that leaf mass up in the air. What and is the part that actually does the carbon sequestration? Sure. Yeah. So what happens is is that the the uh, all of the bamboo is is a pretty much fifty percent carbon. So the 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 every bamboo pole uh, it, the by dry weight it's about fifty percent carbon. The same thing with the root system, the rhizome, it's about fifty percent carbon. So uh, what happened for me was I saw an article back in 09 about the uh, rates of, uh, 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 you know, uh, amount of CO2 going in the atmosphere from human activity every year. Uh, at that point, it was about 30 billion tons. And I had recently read some studies about the, you know, the CO2 in a bamboo plant or the, you know, the carbon in a bamboo plant. So I just did some back of napkin calculations of, I wonder if we could do a large scale, you know, climate uh, uh, mitigation project using bamboo, where we would basically draw down that, that CO2, turn it into bamboo, and then turn that bamboo into long-term durable products. I, I uh, wrote a, a I wrote that up and I submitted it to the World Bamboo Congress, which was meeting that year in uh, Bangkok uh, to do a paper and a presentation. And a few weeks ahead of the conference, the top researcher in the world, uh, Walter Lise, he's a, uh, a professor uh, from Germany. He submitted a paper of why bamboo would not work for carbon sequestration. And I was like, uh oh, and, uh, but then I read his paper and I thought, oh, this is perfect. I just have to address every issue that Walter has raised because <laughs> the, the, the pieces were is that bamboo at that time was mostly being used to make, you know, chopsticks and, uh, you know, little things that don't have a very long life. Mm -hmm. And uh, also if you just plant bamboo in the wild and you never harvest it, it's a phenomenal carbon drawdown for the first maybe 20 years. But after that, you need to be harvesting it because uh, it'll, uh, once the canopy closes so that there's no more, you know, open sunlight space coming in, it's kind of hits more of a steady state where the bamboo poles rot, new ones grow in, but it's not this dramatic uh, 
Because there's no sunlight coming in to get exactly, exactly, exactly. Awesome. Yeah, so I I wrote that up and sent it to Walter, and he said, "Yeah, that's a great plan. Meet me ahead of the conference, and I'll help you work out the details." So I uh, ended up presenting it, and and I kept thinking, well, somebody's going to pick this up and do something about it because it's so obvious. Uh, but but how, what year was that that you did that? That was oh nine. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So after a year or so, I thought I I think that person may be me. You know? <laughs> so, so uh, we put together a team and really uh, started uh, working on this to, you know, figure out, you know, where would we do it? How would we do it? Uh, what kind of scale would we need to do it in to have a major impact? We're at the point now where uh, we, you know, planted a thousand acres, even in the middle of COVID in the Philippines, working with our partners there, the two of the indigenous tribes, uh, a couple of municipalities and some other landowners. And we're in the process of uh, this coming season of more than doubling that planting. And then, you know, again, like a geometric growth over the next couple of years. Um, and so I'm, I'm very excited about where that's going. And uh, yeah. So, um, so that was a really interesting story when you explained about the indigenous. Um, partners that you guys have. Could you explain that a little bit more? How that Sure, sure. So what has happened on the island where we're working um, is the island was deforested uh, a generation or more ago uh, of, of all its, basically all its trees. You know, it had a, a lot of um, Luan mahogany, um, other, you know, hardwoods. And um, it was, uh, you know, cut and sold. And unfortunately, what happened was, is that uh, as, when the forest was cut, the climate got drier and because the trees transpire and keep moisture in the air. So they uh, increased the uh, humidity in the microclimate. So that wasn't happening. So they were getting these drier, dry seasons. And an aggressive grass came in where the trees had been. And uh, every dry season, then they were getting these wildfires that would run through the brush and kill all the little trees. So the, uh, the native hardwoods were not repropagating. So now they've got these you know, vast uh, mountain slopes and uh, river gulches that are just grass. And um, the, the problem was is that has sped up the rate of runoff. So they were getting increased flooding downstream. They lost in the last big flood, 2000 people died because of flooding. So the Red Cross has been planting, uh, since the bamboo is the only thing that could survive the fire, they started planting the, you know, the bamboo for uh, flood mitigation. And so then we had come in and we said, well, you know, yes, and so we want to plant it for slope stabilization, slow down again, the, the rate of runoff, uh, planting along the edge of agricultural fields to reduce, uh, you know, uh, fertilizer and pesticides getting into the streams, and wind, the bamboo. It's definitely helps with the wind. Exactly. And it makes an incredible windbreak. And the bamboo doesn't need any of the uh, agricultural amendments. We 
we do a little fertilizer the first two years until it's kind of out competed the grass. Mm -hmm. And once it's above the height of the grass, then it's on its own and it can, you know, it'll, it'll build a canopy and shade out the grass and let us later interplant the, the native hardwoods again. Are because these, we use only uh, are, using, are you using water or is it is it just kind of off of the land like or rainfall are you having it's really just the rainfall there's, there's when they put the plant in the ground it gets watered but there's these are in uh you know uh some of them in relatively remote locations so the um the 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 plant's really on its own mm -hmm. and but it's a you know it's a hardy plant it's a uh, uh yeah, and, and well, that's what we want to see, right? Because I think just when I when you start thinking about the possibilities and in the hurdles that we face here in Hawaii, one is water rights and things like that. Sure, so, I mean, absolutely. We don't yeah. have water, but it's something that can just you know pull from when it comes from the rain up and you know down, and that's all you need. Then that's that's a great harvest. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. The one thing is, is that the bamboo. Uh, a lot of the species are drought tolerant, but if it gets too dry, they'll drop their leaves and stop growing. Mm -hmm. So you lose the productivity. So ideally here in Hawaii, we want to plant in areas where there's enough just natural rainfall to, uh, that you don't need to augment with irrigation. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of, a lot, you know, a lot of the old sugarcane land, some of it was irrigated but some of it you really didn't you know like the hamakua coast and the uh um you know the on the north shore of maui and uh, there's just a lot of areas where uh the bamboo would grow really well awesome a, a lot of the places where pineapple was being grown or i was seeing that the you know that the bamboo would do as well cool so let's see we could you uh, maybe give a little bit more of a detailed description of your bamboo living, like the homes and stuff? Because Sure. Yeah, I mean, everybody can go online to, I believe it's www.bamboo-living.com. That's it. And, yeah. and you can kind of check out all the different options that they have. And you've kind of created, do you customize or you just go with the ones that you already have? Uh, we do. I, I, we're always making new models and, and doing custom projects. Um, but we also have, we've been at this for 26 years. So we've got a lot of models mm -hmm. and uh, to choose from. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so, so really what I say is when you walk into one of the bamboo living houses, it, it's like being inside a piece of furniture. Uh, these are beautifully crafted uh, with, uh, you know, the joinery with the bamboo is phenomenal. And uh, I can't give enough, you know, kudos to, uh, you know, our team in Vietnam that's doing the carpentry with it. They're, they're artists of the highest degree. And, uh, and then uh, these gorgeous open ceilings. So we'll, we'll use uh, bamboo trusses and bamboo uh, purlin panels, bamboo rafters, um, and then split bamboo for the ceiling surfaces and weavings. And so they're quite, quite beautiful. And, uh, and there's just a special quality to 
being inside of them that's that's very different from you know a drywall mm -hmm. building yeah. so what do you use for walls are you just paneling them all the way across or is it is it actually I, yeah so we're doing a number of different things is uh in areas where uh the you know that are not not uh structural or well, no, it, the, all the bamboo is structural. It's more the uh, where the climate is mild. So uh, like in, in Lahaina on Maui, you would want to uh, have an insulated wall because you're going to probably have, a, at least during the summer, some days where it's hot. It's called the place of the hot sun. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but in a lot of areas, we're able to just with deep eaves and uh, thermal, like like having uh, cupolas or uh, gable vents, uh, being able to have natural ventilation and, and natural cooling just for the buildings themselves. And so those there, the, the walls are really like, uh, um, like single wall construction where there's, there's a bamboo frame that's like a post and beam frame. And then there is a, a siding material that's actually you know, protecting the building from the weather. And then in the uh, areas where uh, you know, it's either very hot or very cold, then the walls, then um, that's really what got me started on uh, the Rhizome Company is developing uh, engineered uh, bamboo lumber. So the, the bamboo living houses, we use the bamboo in its natural round shape. Uh, for rhizome, we're actually turning it into um, bamboo lumber, bamboo it's boards that are... An alternative you know, to what everybody uses today. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And um, with the pricing, because I was looking, you, you do have online the pricing for these kits, because they are kits, and then... Right. How, how do you go about putting them together? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, what's it's amazing? It's not like Ikea or anything. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's amazing is, is uh, we actually build it uh, in our facility in Vietnam. So we've actually built the whole entire building under roof and then we disassemble it and it's all panelized and goes into a, uh, uh, a container and then gets directly shipped to the, the building site. Uh, and so we built in the Caribbean and the South Pacific and Central America and quite a lot here in Hawaii. When it arrives on the building site, uh, typically we time it so that the foundation is already ready. You know, either the slab's been poured or the uh, floor has been framed and the building arrives from us, building package, and then it's assembled in just a few days. I mean, it's phenomenal. We had uh, clients on the North shore of uh, Oahu and the kids go away to school and they come back and their whole bedrooms are all, you know, built and under roof and, you know, they can walk so in. So who does it? Is there somebody here on, like I'm on Oahu, I know you're on the big island. Sure. So have people on every island? Yeah, we do, we do. Uh, again, we've been at this for 26 years. So we've got projects on all the islands and builders on all the islands that have done, you know, multiple projects. Some some of the builders have done, you know, 50 or 60 of these uh, over the years. So they've really got the, uh, 
hang of it. Yeah, got the hang of so, it. So the pricing, what what are we talking about? I guess sure. Just yeah. You know, tell everybody over. Sure. So with the with the bamboo living homes, um, we are really uh, kind of in, in at par with uh, nice construction in Hawaii. Um, the if, if you're buying like uh, one of the HBM or Hansador kits, uh, those traditionally have been less expensive than you know we can build for, but not by much. Uh, what's interesting is is lumber uh, this last year kind of went through the roof. It was there was a five hundred percent, almost five hundred percent increase, and so uh, all of a sudden we're you know we look incredibly affordable. So um, it hasn't affected you guys. No, it has not. Yeah, yeah. It so has you guys not. are pretty much still around that same price point. Yeah, yeah. Our price point has not not changed. So yeah. And so let's I don't know. Let's just throw out what's a pretty typical uh, size home square footage wise. That sure. Yeah, we do a uh, number of like thousand square foot. Uh, uh, you know, fifteen hundred. Um, 2,000 square foot, something like that. You do I ADUs? Would say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can totally do ADUs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know the style yeah. does not match the house that I have in Pearl City, but it would be pretty cool if there was a bamboo shack because we're, we're like, we well, could do a two-bedroom ADU about 800 well, square feet. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should look into this. It you know, doesn't match the house. Well, you know what you might want to do is there's a couple that did exactly that. They had a... Uh, you know, a house that was in the family for several generations. And in the back, they did a guest house and did it with us in bamboo. And it is adorable. And they're open to, you know, having tours there. So, you know, just reach out and I'll arrange something oh, for you exactly. to go by and see it. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I guess just throwing out something that's maybe I think ADUs here in Hawaii are a very big, hot commodity right now. Sure. I would say something that's either maybe 500, 600 to 800 square feet, depending mm -hmm. on their lot size because of how um, we can now do ADUs here. Um, you know, depending on if you have over a certain amount of land, then you can do a, up to 800. So let's say someone wanted to do 800 square foot, two bedroom place Mm -hmm. And I would think single level, right? Do you do yeah. two levels? As yeah, well? we do two levels as well. Uh, most of them, most of the houses we do are single level, but we have done two levels, yeah. And how much would yeah. something like that probably run? Because I, I know the kit costs something, but I have yeah. no idea how much it costs to ship it here. Sure. Well, I think in everything, including our building, uh, the builders said they've been building for... Uh, you know, 250 to 350 a square foot, depending on the level of finishes and all of that. Um, so that, but that's including us, that's including shipping, that's, you know, basically just to have, to, to do a whole project. Um, so that gives you some idea about it. And then, you know, the, of course the, the, uh, the typically the larger the house, the lower the square foot prices because it's the bathrooms and kitchens that are the most expensive parts of the house and even the smallest houses have both of those in them yeah so just to um 
see how things are for these, the permitting and everything. Do you have specific like pre-permitted plans that are already like established and then you know because they were already permitted it's a lot easier to go through the process of getting your permit because i know that's been a hang up and a hold up here <laughs> sure right and we're actually in that process is we've really uh you know been building to suit uh clients but we're being proactive right now and we just designed a it's an adorable it's um it's got a very steep polynesian style roof uh with a, a second floor loft and uh, dormers and a walkout deck and then a big covered lanai along one side and uh it's uh 16 by 24 so it's 384 square feet on the floor the first floor plus the outside uh lanais i think another 180 128 square feet and then the loft inside is another um you know, um, maybe 10, maybe 200 square feet max. I think more like 150. So another, but another, it can be an office or a second bedroom, you know, that sort of thing. So that's, it's probably only like 500 square feet total then, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And it's, it's totally modular. So we're going to uh, be getting it permitted exactly as it is with that footprint but we're designing it in a way that it would you could make it larger just by adding additional uh panels and trusses now, so do you take longer. these like models and then go to the different counties because i know every county <laughs> right yeah it's it does it has to be uh each county has their own approval process so yeah yeah awesome um, I know I'm super interested in all this kind of stuff because I'm in real estate, but, and everybody's sure. always asking about, um, especially ADUs and how they could, um, add an in-law suite or whatnot to their property. So this, uh, is very helpful information. Well, thank you. It's such a pleasure. Yeah, to share it. Interested. I did work with, um, a company that's no longer here because at the time it was a little bit on the higher end price point than what I think ADUs were people are wanting to spend. Maybe now sure. a hot commodity, but you know, they decided to put their efforts into other things. So I keep on getting a lot of contacts and calls in regards to ADUs. So oh, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well we could send out our, you know, little kind of advanced thing of this is what we're gonna be doing. And uh, yeah, once we 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 just uh, doing the prototype at the factory right now this week. And uh, so, you know, what I can do is send you some photos and uh, a rendering and you can get a sense of, of what it's like. But it is, uh, it's, I, I, in terms of, it's one of the most charming houses I've designed. Cool. Know? I yeah. think to me, it would look so cute. I mean, if you had a property that allowed for a lot of these little, you know, bungalows. They almost look like little bungalows. Like if yeah. you have the, yeah. the bamboo rattan furniture and then created, it's like the Hawaii version of a log cabin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You feel like you just landed in, in uh, the South Pacific, which you have. You now, know, are you going to start yeah. integrating um, the rhizome 
type of build with this bamboo? Exactly, exactly. So for, for in terms of insulated walls and, uh, you know, wood foundations, we'd be able to use the, the rhizome bamboo lumber instead. So yeah, that's, that's, it's still, uh, uh, for, for adventurous clients, it can be done fairly next year for folks that, uh, to get actually finished the national building code standard, that's going to take probably between two years and two and a half from where we are right now to finish that process. But there's a way, excuse me, to get approval for a one-off project. So if there's a client that says, hey, I'm willing to, you know, go through the board of code appeal process and, you know, yeah, be the first kind of adventurer with this. That would be great. Well, I'm going to have to talk to one of my, um, one of my contractors who they just build energy star and only, um, that type of quality of, you know, kind wonderful of lead certified loves to do platinum kind of stuff, which by the way, can you mention that as well in regards to your bamboo living, um, product? It is. Sure. Yeah. So we can, yeah, we can, uh, We've done a lead project uh, over on Molokai, and we, we're, you know, it's really uh, any of our houses can be designed to meet the, the lead requirements. It's That's really cool. about the um, doing the cavity wall with the in insulation. Uh, so to get the, um, what would I say, the, um, you know, the, the high R value into the walls and ceiling. How would you compare? pricing for the rhizome like lumber in regards to in comparison to regular lumber that that we're using today in well i can yeah, sure yeah well i can tell you uh we did our cost analysis last year before starting the project in the philippines and uh we felt like that this next year once we're in production there that we would be competitive with lumber prices um, but since that happened, lumber prices went through the roof. So they've, you know, uh, more than 400% increase this last year. It's dropped back down. So it's probably around 200%. Um, but it just means that the bamboo, uh, once we're, uh, you know, in production will be really cost competitive. It, it awesome. should be the eventually the most affordable way to build anything and that's the goal right because exactly you can use yeah. it for affordable housing i mean that's what i'd like to absolutely see. Uh, yeah yeah is yeah uh, affordable housing builds with this and i think if we could put a project together with this as almost like a prototype and find a absolutely way things forward with like the city per se um then it just and it and it, it speaks for itself and then it's assisting and i mean that would be oh yeah that would be like yeah i would love that because uh, that would help us get some momentum for doing uh we i our um uh manufacturing expert he used to run the largest or one of the largest plywood mills in the world um and he uh was actually brought out to Hawaii to look at the eucalyptus on the big island and uh, so he knew a lot about the economics of of doing a um, you know wood-based product out here, and uh, and he said the the eucalyptus didn't work, but the bamboo would. Uh, 
So uh, the opportunity for us is to do a large scale carbon drawdown project for you know, the state of Hawaii and at the same time create an industry here uh, where all those containers that get brought, that bring goods to Hawaii that go back empty, they could be going back full of building materials for the US. Yeah, well, for us first, please. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, for sure. But in terms of being able to build an industry here, you know, to, uh, yeah. Yeah, that would be super cool. Now, let me see, I did want to, so the, the rhizome product that you have is probably maybe two or three years out from actually being able to like get a hold of, is that correct? Uh, no, the, the, it'll be available uh, at the end of this year. Oh, wow. It's just that the building code approval takes, uh, once we're able to make the material, then the testing starts and that ends up being about 18 to 24 months to get you know, the, uh, all the testing done and the uh, uh, reports approved to where you can actually go to the building department and, and get a, a regular building permit. But prior to that, like I said, you can get a, you know, through the Board of Code Appeal on some of the islands and through uh, working with the building officials on uh, some of the other islands. So it, there's there's ways to actually make it happen even soon. Is the, is the lumber like actual strips like you would have if you had bamboo like flooring or is it like you're making some kind of mixture that's like a- Yeah, there's actually both is, uh, the, the, the bamboo we're using is a giant bamboo. So it gets, you know, 10 inch diameters at the base. Mm -hmm. And for the first, um, you know, 30 something feet, uh, we're making a, a, you know, a dimensional product that's, that's a like a laminated beam basically. Mm -hmm. uh, for the upper part of the bamboo, and these, these things get a hundred feet tall. So uh, you, we're using that in another product that we're it's basically a, a crushed product. And so then we're able to increase our utilization and make the economics work and also get another beautiful product. So that what is that mixture made with? Or is it just like- Yeah, so what it is, is it, it's the material, uh, it's called strand woven. It's not really woven, but it's, it's strands of bamboo that have been crushed and then glued together under pressure. And so it makes a very uh, sturdy you know, board. Um, they currently use it for uh, making these, what they call road mats that they drive heavy machinery over uh, because it's so dense. Um, so it's just, you know, it's a very um, kind of interesting other product that we'll be able to make out of it. Cool, um, let's see. For the carbon sequestration, um, I know that you had some places in mind that you're working on. So the first one that you're really pushing for is the one in the Philippines, right? That's correct. Yeah. So that hasn't yeah. been done yet either, right? It's not fully. It's in process. So what we've done the first number of steps. So we've gotten um, a methodology approved. We're working with one of the large uh, voluntary uh, carbon credit uh, brokers to put, put large scale projects together. 
and we're uh, going to be on what they call the carbon registry um, either by the end of the year or early next year. And that's a major you know, step in the process. There's still a few more other ones that we're working on concurrently, um, but the goal is to be, um, you know, have have a large scale project in the works. Um, actually, actually, we've already started it because we planted that thousand acres, and uh, the next level would be planting about uh, twenty two thousand acres. Um, so it's, you know, just kind of orders of magnitude increases. So I don't know the details on carbon offsetting and everything, but when, I guess, could you, could you explain that a little bit more for some of the Sure. So, so what they're looking for is, you know, there's three or four pieces to the puzzle. So a carbon, uh, credit program really has a 30 year life to it, but there's really the first 10 years are when the, uh, um, you know, what the carbon, the carbon that's being purchased is related to those first 10 years. So it's really the growth of the material over a decade. And um, that is, uh, again, the, the, uh, the piece for us is, is getting as much of it in the ground as we can as quickly as possible because it does grow so fast and the growth is geometric. So, you know, whereas you're not seeing much of anything the first year, you're seeing a little bit the second year, third year, you all of a sudden you're getting these big shoots that are running up 60 feet, you know, fourth year, they're up at a hundred feet and, you know, then you're, you know, rolling. So, the carbon credits, I guess, for those of you who don't know, it would be um, perhaps a company in certain states that require that company to purchase carbon credits in order to offset their carbon, I guess, footprint? Yeah, there's, there's some of both of that. In, in Europe, there are uh, requirements for companies to meet, uh, uh, it's, it's called the uh, CDM programs. Uh, the where we're focused on is the voluntary market, where uh, companies are choosing and individuals are choosing to offset their, um, you know, the CO2 that their company or themselves is producing because of plane flights, uh, driving cars, um, you know, heating, water, all of the things that can use energy. And uh, so the, the until we get to a fully sustainable, um, you know, all 100% renewable, uh, uh, you know, energy generation, we need to be, uh, you know, coming up with offsets for that. The other thing is even once we hit 100% uh, renewables, we still need to get all the CO2, the extra CO2 that we put into the atmosphere over the last uh, couple of centuries out, you know? And it's it's quite a lot, you know, that the uh, Elon Musk just uh, put down a hundred million dollars for an X prize for somebody to figure out how to get 10, mil 10 billion tons of CO2 out of the atmosphere a year by 2050, because it's critical to us to do that, to, you know, not have the, the climate uh, 
go completely berserk. So what was your, how much is your, you're proposing to hold? Yeah, so we're looking at getting that done, that first 10 gigatons, uh, the 10 billion tons by 2050. Uh, the fascinating thing about, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's about 2 million acres of bamboo planted over that next 30 years. And so I'm so, gonna write you a check. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we actually are putting a, submitting, um, you know, a, a proposal for the X prize because we really feel like we do have a good, you know, one of the good solutions. That's cool. Need, yeah, yeah. And the fascinating thing about our solution is once you hit that, uh, you know, 10, 10 billion threshold, you're actually uh, going to continue. We're, I've got to finish the modeling for that, but it's, it's, you know, it, it it's like it's a ge again a geometric growth while the, the plants are maturing, mm -hmm. and once they mature, then for the let the rest of the, you know, sixty to hundred year life of the plant, you're getting that level of drawdown as long as you're harvesting it and using the material, and what's fascinating is by Using the material, you're offsetting the clear cutting of forests yeah. at a one to ten ratio. So, a uh, you know, uh, uh, one million acres of bamboo is saving ten million acres of trees from being cut. Yeah, and you, I mean, yeah. just everything about what you're doing, it just makes sense. And you know, well, thank the you. the stuff that that's happening where you said in the Philippines, they like you're like you know, creating solutions for all of these situations. Yeah, it's fascinating how it all fits it's together. How it's, just this one yeah. product or this one plant yeah. can, can yeah. do this. And, you know, if we just keep pushing forward with this, we're going to mm. see, I mean, I think it'll be, a, I mean, just not even houses being built, but just all the things that people do now with bamboo and make with bamboo, that's pretty impressive too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, when I was a student, I studied brush painting in uh, uh, Taiwan and uh, the, uh, the, the icon for the perfected human being is actually the bamboo plant. Whoa. Yeah, they say because of the strength and flexibility and yet the inner empty Buddha nature. Awesome. Well, yeah. I think we can end on that note. And um, I am going to have you, I'm going to try to get you on our Eco Rotary um, docket too. I think we have you for November. Um, Wonderful. Hopefully we can do it a Zoom um, option as well at that point. Um, and that will be lots of fun because we'll have interaction with um, a whole bunch of people. And maybe after they listen to uh, uh, this podcast, they'll be able to actually meet you sort of in person. Virtually. Sure, sure, virtually. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully I'll be able to meet you sometime in person. In I look forward to I it, absolutely. Like, I want to take you out to lunch. Well, thank um, you. Well, anyhow, really quick before we close up, I just wanted to give you some ways that you can either connect with David or learn more about his products and services that he offers. So um, you can go on to, I have them here, which is Facebook. It's at Bamboo Living or um, you can also check out their Facebook for um, the Rhizome Bamboo. So at Rhizome Bamboo is also another option. If you're on Instagram, it's at Bamboo Living as well. And um, for the websites, they have 
bamboo-living.com and it's actually rhizome.co, right? That's right. Yeah, rhizome.co. R-I-Z-O-M-E-C-O.com where you can learn more about this and learn more about bamboo. Actually, I kind of learned a lot by checking it out before this podcast. Um, Thank you. Did you want to share uh, an email that someone can reach? Sure. You? Yeah, they can reach me at david at bamboo-living.com uh, uh, and then also david at uh, rhizoneco.com. So I've, those are, I've got both those emails. Yeah, so I'm sure if you want to reach out to him, you can shoot him an email. Um, other than that, I think this wraps up things, and that's all I got. Thank you so much, David, for joining us. It's such a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for Thank all the you. good work you're doing. Yes. Yeah, for sure. You too. Thank you uh, all for listening. You. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast at www.smartlivinghi.org. Also follow us on Instagram at, at smart underscore living underscore Hawaii and like us on Facebook. Until next time, live smart. Mahalo.